Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. Charles W. Chuck Bryan is with me if my my nose doesn't deceive me. I didn't do my cheeks today. That's bad luck. Do them now. Thank you. I don't think that that's going to save this episode, <laughs> but it will make it from being the worst, probably. Like the one, the unreleased one. Yeah, in case of break. We'll make that when we retire. That'll be our final episode. We'll go out with a whimper. That's not a bad idea. Yeah, there's a lost episode, everyone, that only Jerry, Chuck, and I know about. Yeah, in case of emergency break glass episode. Yeah. It is so bad that if if something happens, yeah. we we release the emergency episode. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That feels good to have. Does it? Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I feel like we have a margin of error. Yeah, but of one. Yeah. Um, all right, Chuck, let's get this started. All right. You stink. Thank you. I stink. Yes. We all stink. Jerry doesn't stink. <laughs> Jerry smells like lilac. She does. Um, but the... Uh, wow, you just threw me off with that one. Sorry. Uh, but your stink and my stink are unique. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like... Um, uh, it's called an odor type. Right. So an odor type is, as I said, very unique. It's uh, so unique that there is research into figuring out how to identify somebody through their odor. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. It's like a smelly fingerprint. Yeah. Um, and no matter what you do, it can't be masked. Like you can't alter it to where a machine that's designed to molecularly analyze odors yeah. can't say, oh, it's Josh. Oh, and there's Chuck. And they're also, they're really laying on the uh, polo cologne today for some reason. Because it's 1985. <laughs> that was my man. I remember the day I Did got you wear my that stuff? bottle of polo. It was like the size of my torso, and I was so excited. I only wore one cologne in my life for like two years in high school. Oh yeah, yeah. Benetton colors. It was hey, very fancy nice. pants. But um, I, I haven't worn cologne since literally I was 17. Yeah, I went through maybe like three periods in my life where I wore cologne for a little while, and yeah. I, finally I'm like, I don't wear cologne. What am I doing? Not uh, it's, not many guys do anymore, do they? Yeah. Really? At the gym I go to, it's like, get out of the sauna now. Wow. It's bad. Yeah, when I told you, I think one time when I lived in Arizona for a year, it may be cultural, but those dudes wore cologne, like, a lot. And hair gel, don't they? Um, I seem to remember a fair amount of dippity-doo. Yeah. <laughs> Arizona is like New Jersey West. <laughs> wow. So, uh, anyway... We all have uh, very distinct odor types, is what it's called. Oh, and uh, not only can you not alter it to, uh, with a machine, but if you're a mouse and you yeah. try to mask your scent, other uh, other mice can still see who you are through their nose. Yeah, I saw that uh, that study. Should we tell them the, the, the technique they use, even though I don't understand it? It involves tickling. Uh, <laughs> volatile uh, VOCs like you get in paint. Volatile organic compounds, yeah, also in your body, which is just something that um, turns to gas at yeah. what we consider room temperature. Exactly, they use uh, they can analyze uh, these scents in your sweat, saliva, and urine using uh, gas chromatography, mass spectrometry. Spectrometry. That's good stuff. I'm I, glad you got hung up on that. Yeah, one. I don't know how that works, so I didn't have enough time to look into that. But that's what 
the Pentagon and the Homeland Security are using to try and snip out terrorists. Yeah. And uh, also apparently to figure out if someone's lying because there's different kinds of sweat. There's different kinds of sweat glands. Um, As you know, we've actually kind of covered some of this. Remember we did uh, what's the difference between antiperspirant and deodorant? Was that me? We'll do again. Yes. Okay, I didn't think that was me. I mean, you was... were wildly impressed with, like, I had a theory about um, deodorant stocks going up. Oh, that's right. Remember hormones in milk are making kids hit puberty younger? Yeah, yeah. In my opinion. Uh, and then with global warming, uh, people are going to need more deodorant. So deodorant stocks were the way to go. Um, that's not as good as my early man theory. What happened? They the... melted? Yeah. <laughs> that's what happened to the Neanderthals. These are the old days. Yeah. I think that deodorant one was like one of the 10-minute shows, wasn't it? It was pretty quick. Like really early. Yeah. Yeah. But we're going to revisit it because even you don't remember it and you were in it. I remember now. Um, So uh, we're going to talk about the different kinds of sweat glands because uh, we've also talked about this before. And what, can you sweat colors? Yeah. Okay. But let's let's do it again. You want to? Sure. That was the introduction. (laughs) That's great. I love it. Um, You know, they also have studies that, that say that Little babies are m- more attracted to their mothers, obviously, because of their scent. And, like, early on, right. humans can sniff out their parents, which is – and I don't think it's a theory of mine. I think it's pretty well established that if you're, like, a smoker, even if you like, oh, I don't smoke around my kids, they still sniff that stuff out. And they right. are more likely to smoke later on sure. because of that. Uh, is that true? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Children of smokers are way more likely to smoke. I know in studies of – um, babies born eyeless and as worms, they will like, <laughs> they'll sniff their parents out and like just wiggle over toward them even though they can't see, wow. usually can't hear. It's a neat study. Um, there's a lot of stuff in, in here like that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, let's talk about the different kinds of sweat glands. Okay. You got eccrine glands. Yeah. Those are my favorite. Same here. Because they cool me off. Yeah. They're innocuous. Yeah. They, uh, basically just secrete water and electrolytes. Yeah. Which, if you've seen um, Idiocracy, you know how important <laughs> electrolytes are. That's right. Um, and, yeah, it, it, it's used to regulate body temperature. Your hypothalamus says, hey, you're getting a little warm here. Let's get rid of this perspiration. The um, water, the the yeah, the water and electrolytes on your skin, yeah. when they evaporate, it's going to cool you down. You're yeah. going to love it. And, and sweat doesn't stink. I think we've pointed that out before, but it bears repeating. The sweat itself is not smelly. No. I'm, and I like saying that because for obvious reasons, it's well established that I'm a sweaty guy, but I'm not a smelly guy. No, you really aren't. I was no. thinking about this. I'm like, I was I was thinking about you as I was researching <laughs> I'm this. Sure. And I was like, you know, Chuck doesn't smell. I've never, I've yeah. never smelled Chuck. And I've been around you when you're sweating. Yeah. Like, I've been around you when you were wearing nothing but like shorts and a Hawks jersey. <laughs> sweating. Sweating. Yeah. Well, you better be sweating if you're wearing that. Yeah, that's because I take yeah, exactly. Uh, that's because I I take care of myself and do all the things that we're going to talk about, like bathing. Yes. So in eccrine sweat, um, there's nothing to smell. Electrolytes don't smell. Right. In the other sweat gland, in eccrine sweat glands are found all over your body. The other sweat glands, apocrine sweat, sweat glands. Yeah, that's gross. They don't smell either. I know what you're saying. Like yeah. they, you you produce sweat, but it has a lot more than just water and electrolytes. Yeah. Chuck. Anytime a cell excretes waste, poops something out, Boof. or is destroyed through maybe autolysis or whatever, there's a lot of um, little um, cellular detritus. 
And that stuff has to leave the body because you don't want it to build up. You want to get rid of your broken up dead cells. And they enter secretory cells in the skin and hike along with your sweat. So the apocrine sweat is a means of disposal, cellular detritus disposal in your body. But even that doesn't smell. Yeah. What produces the smell? Uh, well, and we did cover this before, but it is bacteria that basically eats those proteins that we sweat out. Right. And then they poop them out, essentially. They poop out fatty acids that yeah. stink. That's gross. That's the smell. It's not us. It's the local flora. Yeah. The bacteria. I don't and even like the word flora. I, I know. And it doesn't even make sense because bacteria aren't plants. Right. And even if they were plants, um, flora apparently refers to multicellular plants. Oh, really? Yeah. I was um, wondering that. But they call uh, local flora, bacteria's local flora, uh-huh. um, and uh, little protozoa yeah, yeah. on your body, those are called fauna, local fauna. And so I can't figure out why. Uh, well, I bet the answer's out there. I looked, man. Really? Yeah. If anybody knows, I'd, this is... The one I'd really like to know from this episode. Well, what we do know is that these uh, nasty apocrine glands <laughs> are found in some pretty unfortunate places like your groin yep. or your groin and your uh, <laughs> armpits, um, your, your uh, armpits. What is it? The uh, axillae. Axillae. And uh, your hands and your feet. So Gross. That's where you're going to smell. Um, and your feet, interestingly, the reason they don't smell quite like your armpits is because they also produce fungus yeah. in addition to the bacteria pooping out fatty acids. Yeah. And so that's why your foot odor is going to be a little different. It's not really coincidence that like all of these places are hairy, well, except for your hands. Yeah. And I guess the soles of your feet. But your armpits and your groin are hairy. <laughs> Just I'm, I'm five years old. I'm sorry. Naturally, they're hairy. Yes. Um, and uh, when we wear shoes we um, socks whatever mm-hmm. we're we are providing like these great places for bacteria to thrive and yeah. eat the stuff to their heart's content but it takes about an hour apparently yeah that's the good news so when you start sweating apocrine cell detrius through your armpits um you it takes about an hour for the local bacteria to digest I mean, they'll eat it immediately, but then they lay around, have a siesta. <laughs> yeah, watch a little TV. Then they wake up and they're like, oh, "I gotta poop." Yeah. And they poop, and then you start <laughs> smelling. Um, the other gross thing, is, and there will be many gross things, but to me, <laughs> one of the gross things is the um, the eccrine glands uh, secrete kind of you know a clear liquid, but the apocrine glands excrete liquid that can be thicker and milky and yellow. Yeah, <laughs> which is why if you've ever had the old mustard stains on the undershirt, yeah. which are really unsightly. They are. That means it's time to get rid of that undershirt. Yes, it is. Um, or if you're like me, then it's time to keep wearing it until it's crunchy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, I know the crunch you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. I think that's the deodorant as well. I hope so. In combination with the milky yellowish secretions. Yeah. <laughs> God. Uh, yeah. So that that's the gross stuff. That's where your pit stains come from. Yeah. Um, and the smell also, one of the big guys of the uh, smell world as far as the waste products that the local flora are producing <sighs> is um, E3-methyl-2-hexanoic acid. That's what's making you smell, friends. That's the one? It's one of. 
And the bacteria that's producing this are called micrococci or staphylococci. And um, like I said, this is where they love living in your armpits. Um, and I don't know if like they live in our armpits. Like over time, they've become attracted to human armpits through evolution. Like they're like, oh, well, this is where we eat. Right. So we live here. Right. Um, and they never learned you should never poop where you eat. Right. They do the whole gambit, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, or poop where you live. Yeah. Um, but uh, No, it's poop where you eat. I think it's both. Is it? Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, I, I wonder if like they, they were attracted to humans over time because, I mean, are we born with these things in our underarms? I don't know. How do we pick them up? How, how soon after birth do we pick them up? Well, I don't think we're born because newborn babies uh, don't have the uh, apricot uh, sweat. You're yet. right. So that's why little babies smell delicious and... Unless they're pooping, right. which is like an ungodly thing for such a small <laughs> really child. Is. What is wrong with babies? I know. So weird. So, yes, you're right. Um, we, we aren't born with apocrine glands. We develop them um, around puberty, yeah, the so onset of puberty. You probably won't start the body odor, the BO, um, as my mom always called it, till till puberty, till your teen years. Yep. And that's when you start getting stinky. And um, so it's not just – there's not just a, a difference between – Little kids between teens and tweens. Yeah. Right? Tweens yeah. don't stink. Teens stink. That's right. Um, supposedly, there's a distinction among um, races. This is highly controversial. Is it? Yes. It's not nearly as cavalier as it might seem. In this you, article. You can't just say like, oh, well, Asians are the least stinky. Um, there is, there is a They have fewer apocrine glands though, right? Supposedly. Okay. Here's the problem. Okay. Here's the problem that the field of anthropology has with this. Right. It's possible that there are differences among, among races. Sure. But you could break it down even further. Is it, um, is it, is it food based? Is it diet based? Like, is it, so if you are in Northern India and you're eating less, Curry in southern India, India, or vice versa. I right. I can't. Wh- whatever. So, are all Indians? Uh, do the, all Indians share a similar smell that's more pungent than, say, Europeans? The it it you can't. And even within that, it's like how many vegetarians are there that hate curry that live right. in India? Well, the reason you point out curry, we should point out, is because that's mentioned specifically in the article as one of the more highly. Uh, um, pungent foods that will eventually come out in your sweat. Exactly. Like garlic. Right. Um, but the, the, I guess the point is, is, um, when you differentiate among people, whether it's smell, especially with something as unpleasant as body odor. Yeah. Then you are, you're creating a disparity. You're propagating the possibility of racist attitudes. Cause if this person's different from me and how we smell, how else is that person different? And, sure. You know, maybe I don't really like that person. Well, let's not even endorse it then. Well, you just, well, you have to be careful with yeah, it. Yeah. Plus, the other problem is, is most of the research that, that is cited, um, these days for difference among races and body odor. Yeah. Was last compiled in like the 1930s. Oh, uh, wow. And then also, for example, like Asians have, fewer axillary glands. Do they? I don't know. When's the last time anyone checked? And then some of the other um, old data suggests that half, an estimated half of Koreans don't even have axillary glands. So they couldn't even sweat if they tried, you know? Right. You see the point? So you're saying it's just hinky data. It's hinky old data. Old data. Yeah, yeah. Man, you're not supposed to cite data over 10 years old. Well, why don't we just, as a as a show, as a 
part of the public specter say some people stink some and some people don't. Yeah. People are people. Yeah, yeah. Some stink, some don't. So why should it be? <laughs> Jerry like that one. She, she saw where that was headed. Yeah. Um, men definitely uh, are, are stinkier than women. No, that is true. Uh, in general, we don't mind a little sexism, especially when we're throwing it on ourselves right. as stinky men. But it's not sexism because it's true and it's not, I mean, there's no, there's no disparaging that comes along with that. Really. That's true. Um, but And this is actually backed up by some science. We have... Uh, more testosterone, which is going to up your production of the apocrine sweat, which is going to lead to stinkiness. Um, another theory is that uh, women are more efficient regulators of their body temperature because they have less core heat going on right. because less muscle and fat yeah. than us dudes. And conversely, you can make the case that men are more efficient at um, cooling their themselves yeah. via sweat. True, because women don't just don't sweat as much. And I thought uh, this was really interesting, and so did Emily, because I was throwing some stuff at her today mm-hmm. while I was researching. Okay. Uh, women actually need uh, one degree higher body temperature in order to start sweating to begin with. Yeah. I thought that was interesting and must be significant. I found a, sound like much, a hypothesis that, that's based on her attached to that, and that's that women have less body fluid than men. Oh, yeah. And so have evolved to sweat less. Okay. That makes sense. And so that would be the mechanism that, that, that evolution has taken the form of. Well, lucky ladies is what I say. But what's interesting is no, because if you are working out and you're a lady, you suffer. You well, stay yeah, hotter longer. Yeah, yeah. You get hotter. Um, and uh, there's a study in Japan, of all places, because they can't even sweat, you know, <laughs> um, that, that where they found that um, women could train themselves just by working out a bunch, like forming a, a workout routine over time to start sweating earlier. Right. Um, than women who were just like working out for the first time. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, since you brought up Japan, this is a sidebar, but we'll throw it in there. Okay. Um, and I thought this was interesting. Apparently, they take their their sweating and their stink pretty seriously over there, uh, because they have a couple of interesting products. Uh, one company, um, Aoki, has developed a deodorant suit that uses uh fabric with uh silver ions impregnated in it to fight off this bacteria just by wearing it. Right. And then they think they have determined a cosmetic company thinks they have found the um, fatty acid responsible for old people smell, <laughs> which I thought was really mean to yeah. say. Yeah. And uh, noneal is the fatty acid. And in Japan, they call old people smell uh, carry issue. Mm-hmm. And they are trying to combat that. And I guess... Yes, Shiseido is. Grandkids all over the world are just going to be like spraying their grandparents with this <laughs> stuff right. when they walk in. Or when you inherit the house, you just walk around and spray Karyishu yeah, off. Yeah, true. Uh, it's interesting, though. I went over to my mom's last night, and I realized that her home, that it's not the house I grew up in. This is She's mm. been there for a while, though, um, probably 15 years. It smells like my grandparents' house that I went to growing up in Tennessee. Huh, that's interesting. Like, a lot like it. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, it's got to have something to do with heredity or maybe products or furniture. They're, well, she yeah. has some of their stuff to it. Odor types are genetically um, based. Yeah. So, I mean, it would make sense that your mom inherited some of her odor type from her parents. It's if not scent, all. Though. It's what? It was very comforting, though. I was like, wow. It oh, yeah. Like, uh, Man, I'll bet. Granddaddy's house, yeah. Unless your grandparents stunk like oxen, I'm sure it's very comforting. Yeah. And even that. Or were abusive you know, and hated my guts. Yes. Which that's is another not one. true. You're like, uh, the, the scent of gardenia makes you like drop into the fetal position. <laughs> you never hear that of like abusive grandparents. That's like That would be the worst thing ever. 
Yeah. I'm sure there are some. They've got to be out there. Yeah, yeah, but you don't hear about it much. Yeah. Thank God. Thank God everybody keeps that secret. (laughs) I've been around some mean old people, though, so. Yeah, well. Everyone has that capacity. It's true, and and that's why I quit Boy Scouts in protest. Oh, you had a mean old person? No, I just didn't like the idea of respecting your elders no matter what. I was like, no, I think a person has to earn respect. Agreed. Thank you. All right. I've finally vindicated after all these years. (laughs) Um. We did talk about this in another podcast about women uh, able to pick up. Um, I think when we we talked about it before, it was a study about women able to pick up clues through scent about whether or not someone's a good reproductive partner. Yeah, like wasn't the, that the deal? Like they they would have a different immune system than you, so yeah, you yeah, put yeah, them yeah, together yeah. and form a super baby. Uh-huh. Definitely one that wasn't born without eyes and right. with a worm like body. Um, we also kind of debunked that. Oh, did we? Yeah, we. The research we found was that like we don't even have the capacity to um, detect pheromones any longer. Most most humans don't. Right. So like that whole idea is a little. Um, there was there were there, it's it's hit or miss. Like there's some studies that gotcha. suggested yes, this is true. Others that didn't. If you read the um, the release though on this study that this guy's talking about. Yeah, the Monell Center study. Yeah, the guy just, like, the researchers just totally leapt to a conclusion. I hate those studies. They were like, women can differentiate, like, it's tougher to, to mask um, a man's odor mm-hmm. uh, to a woman. And he basically said, ergo, women can detect uh, body odor better, which right. means that they must be detecting like something like immune system robustness or something. Right. It was like, where did you get this extra stuff? You know, it's uh, driving me crazy. I'm on a tirade today with bad research. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, everyone. I'm I'm very sorry. Well, speaking of, that leads us right into uh, this article. Actually, we we like to point out when our own articles aren't quite up to snuff. Yeah. And there were a few interesting things. And I, it's a shame that we can't find verification on these because I They're thought very it was interesting. really interesting. Um, a tribe in New Guinea says goodbye to each other by rubbing each other's armpits before they leave. And so you can keep a little piece of the other person to sniff. I thought that was really sweet. It's yeah. not a bit gross. And you said that it might be bunk. Like you can't I, find I found, any sources. I found virtually no support for this. And everything I found was like not a reliable site. Right. Um, and then Austrian Tyrol, which is a very specific place to BS about, but, um, they supposedly, men would dance with handkerchiefs in their, tucked under their arms, in their armpits, Mm -hmm. and I guess work up a real sweat and then be like, (laughs) you, and point to the the girl he was going for and wave the handkerchief under her nose, and she would swoon and they'd get married and have babies in that order. Wow. And Um, so you couldn't find verification for that either, right? Nope. Same same thing. But I found even less for that. What about the last one? This one appears to be true. All right. I misinterpreted this because I uh, told Emily this one this morning that in uh, Elizabethan times, they would soak peeled apples in their armpit sweat right. and give them to their lover when they parted. And I, for some reason, took the leap to mean that they would eat them. And I thought it was the grossest <laughs> thing I'd ever heard. I thought that too. And Emily was like, no, I don't think they eat them. I think they just keep them. But um, they're, they're called love apples, by the way. Well, that's not what I call love apples. (laughs) What do you call love apples? Apples that, you know, you give to the teacher on their desk. Oh, because they're good. Seems odd. That's an apple for the teacher. It's not a love apple. It's a love apple. It's because you love your teacher. Huh. Um, Were you homeschooled by your mom? No, I wasn't. (laughs) 
but my dad was my principal. I know that. Um, I don't know. Did they eat them? They just I, kept I, them. I, I'm sure some sicko ate them. And how about Oscar Wilde ate them? How did they collect enough? How did they collect enough underarm sweat to soak them? Is what I want to know. Oh, he was a Victorian. This is Elizabethan. Um, soak it up in a hanky and wring it out, maybe. No, I think they just sat there for a while and like. Um, but it doesn't like drip out. If no, you're dripping you from your underarm, rub it around. All right. Who knows? We'll try it. We'll try it and make a video of it. Oh, so maybe they would rub the apple on their underarm. That would make sense. Yeah. I imagine they collected... You didn't just like hover over a table <laughs> with an apple on it. Well, no, I imagine they collected the underarm sweat in a dish and then soaked it in that. But that's why I was thinking. Just ignore me for the rest of the show. What was it? Was it a Kids in the Hall where they had like some guy's body odor was so beautiful that like they had this guy like some perfume company bought him basically and they had him running on a treadmill and oh really it was either Mr. Show or Kids in the Hall I don't remember that. it was hilarious not Cabbage Head clearly no no and it was like a segment like an additional segment you know they you can tell where they're like they put some money into it oh yeah yeah one yeah. of those all right where are we um, oh I did think this was interesting the term bo of course comes from an uh, advertising agency. Oh, yeah. That didn't surprise me at all. 1919, um, Odo, Rono, deodorant. <laughs> yeah. They, uh, and I love how this ad goes. <laughs> Remember that wonderful man you met, the way he danced, and the telephone number he asked for and never used? <laughs> <laughs> you should take the armhole Odo test. <laughs> stinky. Yeah, like you stinky woman. That's why the man didn't call you back. That's why you're a 18-year-old spinster. Wow. So, yeah, products in 1919 were not afraid to be uh, sexist jerks. No, and I, I went back and I remember this. Back in um, 1888, they released a product called Mum. And um, think back with me yeah. to, to the antiperspirant deodorant one. Um, you had to apply it with like a swab on a stick. Oh, really? And it, it worked, but it also would like burn a hole through your clothes. And that was the first deodorant, right? Yes. Wow. Mum. I think it was still around for a while. Well, in Tussie? What was that? <laughs> I don't know. Or uh, what was the sprinkle a day one? Uh, Just a sprinkle a day. Was that for underarms or was that away? for feet? Have you had your sprinkle today? It was like a general body deodorant. I don't think just it was sprinkle just your body? Spring. Yeah. Like Gold Bond? Yeah. I like the Gold Bond, though. The Oh, yeah. That's a lifesaver with certain things. <laughs> so, so, Chuck. Yes. Have you ever seen um, that one... Simpsons, where the Homer and Marge have their kids taken away from them. Yes, and they have to go to the the government parenting class. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what this next segment's going to feel like. What do you do if you um, find that you have body odor? Well, um, one thing you can do, Josh, because uh, interestingly, um, animals uh, would use their scent to broadcast, and it would uh, scent would get tangled up in the hair, so right. it would stick around a little longer. Sure. So. Obviously, if you have hair and, like, you're growing, which you do, and your underarms, like we pointed out, mm-hmm. the smell is going to stick around longer. So if you keep that area trim, <laughs> then um, you're less likely to have odor in those places. Yes, that's good advice. And, and I'm, a, I'm a believer in keeping your body uh, neat as a general rule, regardless of the scent factor. Right. You know, take care of yourself. Well, yeah. Ma- manage your your hair, your ear hair, your nose hair. And there is nothing shameful about a man getting a manicure and or pedicure. <laughs> yeah. Okay. 
Uh, oh, that was supportive. Well, I mean, it has nothing to do with body odor. Sure, there is nothing it's wrong. Taking care of yourself. Well, I don't have. I, I bite my uh, fingernails, so there's really kind of no point for me. You know, um, remember Cary Grant took a bunch of acid. Yeah. Well, they, Uncle John's bathroom reader published like a list of like some of his best quotes while he was tripping, and the psychiatrist just, like wrote them down. <laughs> yeah. And one of them was, um, "If I have to look at a man, shouldn't he have to comb his hair and brush his teeth?" <laughs> So Cary Grant was big time into taking care of yourself, too. Well, and look what happened to him. He had a long, successful life. Exactly. He's an acting legend. Uh, bathing, Josh. We yeah. said it takes an hour for the bacteria to do its thing. And um, so if you've got, you know, if you've got a big interview or something, you're a little nervous, take that shower less than an hour. Yeah, because I don't know if we mentioned this Um Eccrine sweat is triggered by body temperature. Apocrine sweat gland is triggered by emotion. Yeah, we didn't. We didn't actually. Anxiety say that. specifically yeah. is a big one that um, makes you start sweating. Yeah, boy, I sweated a lot when I interviewed here. Oh my God, it was July. Yeah, me too. And it was so. That was hot. August. Yeah, and I couldn't figure out where this building was. Connolly just said, "Like park it. It's like by Lennox." Yeah, I don't. So I parked at Lennox <laughs> Mall and walked mm-hmm. in like a hundred degree heat. Yeah, me that, too. Like half mile and was. Like, my shirt was like a dark blue, even though it's supposed to be light blue. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, hey, I'm here to be interviewed by Yeah, I remember the shirt I wore, too. And it was light blue, which was a big mistake. I don't know what I was thinking. Yeah. And I have not dressed that nice at this job since that day, which is, I think, how it should go at every job. <laughs> Wait a minute. Were you were you wearing a suit, brown no. suit? No. Okay. No. I should punch you for saying that. <laughs> I, I didn't wear a tie or anything. You know, it's like a nice shirt and pants. Gotcha. But look at me now. I'm glad you didn't punch me, by the way. <laughs> um, what are some natural remedies, Josh, to avoiding this kind of thing, if you're not into the chemicals? Uh, boric acid. 20 Mule Team, our good friends at 20 Mule Team. Yeah. Uh, a little sprinkle, a little powder under the arms. Yeah, it's actually a low-level acid. Yeah. And I think probably what it does is just makes your armpits inhospitable to local flora. There you go. Yeah. Uh, vinegar, which is just like the most amazing thing in the history of the world. Do you, you drink use... that stuff? No, I mean, we use vinegar for like everything. Yumi has gotten me into like drinking diluted vinegar. Yeah, like drinking it once uh, a day. Weed killer. You can kill weeds. <laughs> yeah. Like big time. Yeah. Uh, like any, not any, but many, many chemical remedies. I bet you if you look up on these homespun websites, some kind of vinegar might help you, sure. help you out as well. Well, it's changing the pH. Anytime you change the pH... Yeah. That something's accustomed to, it's sure. probably going to just die. Uh, witch hazel. Yeah. I like that smell. Do you? I can't stand it. I like it. Uh, baking soda, um, as the article points out, it works in your fridge, so it'll work on your armpits. Yeah. I've never done that. Ideally. Theoretically. Ro- rosemary oil. Yeah. Dilute that in some water. little sprinkle on your underarms. Have you done that one? No. You know, it does work, though. Um, tea tree oil. Because oh, yeah. it's an antimicrobial. Right. So it's just going to go in there and destroy everything it sees. Yeah, that'll dry out pimples too, big time. Yeah. Um, well, since we're on deodorant, we might as well talk about some of the controversies with antiperspirant. Well, let's just give a brief overview of the difference between the two. What's yeah. the difference between deodorant and antiperspirant? Well, uh, antiperspirant um, contains uh, chem- uh, things like aluminum and what's the other one? Uh, aluminum's the big one. Uh, hydro, hydro, hydroxybromide. Yeah, hydroxybromide, and they will essentially 
close up your sweat glands yeah. so they don't work. It plugs them. For a little while. And not only, no, eventually, like, I mean, they, they it is overall temporary, but the length of time between the application and the time you would start sweating again mm-hmm. becomes longer and longer with, with um, repeated use because it actually shuts down your apocrine gland. Like, it plugs it, swells it, and basically says, all right, I'm, I'm done trying. I worry about it some, to be honest. A lot of people do. A lot of mine people worry. Mine 25%. Yeah. Which is a lot. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot, dude. I know. Um, and yeah, there's there's been plenty of studies that have linked um, aluminum to breast cancer. Yeah. And aluminum's been shown to mutate um, cells into cancer cells, but there's never been like the smoking gun like, oh, yes, this person has breast cancer because they use deodorant. Well, yeah, and the cancers are hard to nail that to because there are so many things that could be contributing. Sure, and so there's so can. many different types of cancers. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, uh, and then also with what Alzheimer's. Yeah, but I think that's just a general link, a general tenuous link between Alzheimer's and aluminum. I'm surprised that the studies are from the 1960s. Surely they've done something since then. I don't know. I think everybody's been focused on BPAs. Oh, really? Well, all the breast cancer links are they're newer than that, but there's right. just no one's been able to produce a study that's definitively linked deodorants or antiperspirants, I should say, to breast cancer. Right. Um, but there's a strong correlation. Um, there are chalky deodorants. There are the, the liquid jelly types. Yeah. You don't see the aerosols anymore. Thank God. Right. Uh, and then there's the, the disgusting uh, roll-on that I'm not sure who uses still. I don't know either. Didn't Tussie make a roll-on? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Ban? Ban was big. I think they innovated the roll-on stick. Oh, did they? Sure. Uh, and then also we should say deodorants are, um, they're, they're different from antiperspirants in that they don't oh, right. stop you from sweating, but they uh, make it so that when all of your cell detrius reaches the skin surface in your underarms, <laughs> there's no local flora to eat it and then produce terrible smells as a waste yeah. product. Um, Tom's of Maine. Yeah. It's a very popular natural deodorant. I love that apricot one. That my underarms laugh at. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then uh, the the crystal stuff that makes um, makes your underarms too salty for yeah. the bacteria to live, right? Yeah, it's like a mineral crystal deodorant. I've never used those. So, um, do you want to talk about any of the? It's not necessarily body odor from sweating, but there are some other smells that one can produce, like asparagus pee. If you um, are interested in learning about why. Asparagus can make your pee smell. You should check out our video podcast because we explained it. That's right. You specifically explained it. We did it together. And I think it was it a per- only a percentage of people believe that their pee smells. Don't don't give. Oh, it don't away. give it away. Yeah. Okay. Um, but if you want to find it, you can find it on iTunes. Just look for uh, Stuff You Should Know's video podcast. That's right. Um, you can also find it on RSS feed on How Stuff Works. It's short and uh, kind of fun. Like we're having a good time doing them. Yeah. And they're really loose and like. Man, they are so loose. Yeah. The things we're getting away with saying, I don't think people understand. <laughs> um, yeah. So okay. What else? Um, oh, so uh, you've got uh, asparagus pee. Mm-hmm. You have um, maple syrup urine disorder. We- we've talked about that too. Yeah, it's a real thing, and there's no other clinical term for it. Like, that is the name of it, yeah. and it's actually kind of a big deal. Like, uh, you have uh, problems with your uh, metabolism. It's a metabolic disease, um, and these amino acids can build up and kill you if you're not careful. Yeah, and it's in kids, and I think adults um, have a similar 
condition? You can make it to adulthood. Okay. But it won't smell like maple syrup anymore. It'll it smell like, like... Say it. <laughs> you say it. Burnt sugar. I'm not sure what that smells like. Um, oh, you've never... Sure. Like, um, oh, what's that wonderful dessert? Creme brulee. Oh, well, that's lovely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no one's complaining about the smell of their pee, but it's very worrisome. Gotcha. You know? Okay. Um, if you are around a diabetic, a person with diabetes um, who uh, suffers from ketoacidosis, you might say that they smell a bit like nail polish remover and that their breath smells kind of fruity. And like juicy fruit, kind of. Gotcha. Um, and then what else, Chuck? Fish odor syndrome? Yeah. Um, that means you lack the ability to uh, metabolize something called TMA. And that apparently you smell like fish. I don't know what kind of fish, but it's fishy. Yeah. And that's pretty, um, what, what do they call that? I'm, I'm daring you to try and say that word. Trimethylaminuria. Nice. Thank you. That is the word. That's um that's the name primary trimethylaminuria. And that is the uh condition which um means you can't metabolize the TMA and that means you will smell like fish. Yeah, and then if you have phenylketonuria, you might have a barn-like smell, musty barn-like smell. Can you imagine if you had the fish odor disease? You sweat blue and you had that condition that makes your face silver. What kind of life would that be? That'd be a heck of a ride. <laughs> I'm praying that none of those things are compatible. I mean, it's possible. The blue skin thing, that's just from too much copper, right? Yeah, so there could be some comorbidity or there. silver. 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 Yeah, sweat blue. I, I got nothing else. Uh, well, hyperhidrosis, just for my friends out there who suffer from hyperhidrosis. Mm-hmm. I don't think I have hyperhidrosis. That's like, I, I'm just extra sweaty. Hyperhidrosis is really, really abnormally high. Right. Like these sad cases you hear about, and it can be men and women, where your palms literally sweat all the time. Yeah. Just like leaking water. Um, and you can, there's a variety of things you can do to treat that, uh, from surgery to uh, ion uh, tophoresis, which is using an electrical current to disable your sweat glands. Right. You can also have them surgically removed. Yeah. I wouldn't mind like that from, tiny the, from the neck up. Really? Yeah, because that's where my sweat bothers me. I don't mind, like, sweaty body, but when you're like... Oh, you know, you can get Botox to fix that. <laughs> no, thanks. Well, it works. No. Um, no there's also... In my face. I do have one more thing, bromhydrophobia. I thought that was interesting. So it's the fear of sweating? Oh, I thought it was the fear of stink. Oh, yeah, you're right. It's yeah. the fear of stinking from sweating, I guess. Because bromhydrosis is... Yeah, your body odor. Yeah. Yeah, you're right, Chuck. Um, and somebody who suffers from bromhydrophobia uh, will take a lot of showers every day to the point where the, it's been linked akin to OCD, but there's no other behavior except for, you know, taking showers or trying to, or your fear of smelling. It's not, you're not, you're not messing with light switches or anything else, too. It's just right. this fear of smelling. I have that with poop smell. Specifically, do you? Oh man, if I walk in the bathroom and someone's taking care of things, I like leave immediately. Oh yeah. Or I will often put my uh, shirt over my nose, (laughs) 
And I, I do that when I clean up the litter box and when I do the dog poop on the walks, I put my shirt. I can't stand that. Stuff. Yeah, because anybody who's seen the ice storm knows that like those are the volatile organic compounds of your poop that you're smelling. That's what the odor is. It's ice your storm? poop. What was that about ice storm? I've seen that movie ten times. Some kid says it like in like a school report or oh, something really? like that. Yeah, I don't remember that part. I've never even seen the movie. I know that. Oh man, it's great. I've heard. Yeah. Ang Lee, yeah. great director of the Hulk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what else? I got nothing else. Let's stop talking about this then. Yes, please. If you like this one, there's a surprising amount of stuff about sweating on HowStuffWorks.com. Uh, sweating colors, uh, the difference between antiperspirant and deodorant. You can listen to those old podcasts. They're good, too. Um, and there's just a lot of sweating stuff. If you have sweating problems, I personally wrote a lot of sweating things, too, didn't you? Um, no. Oh, there's Ironically. Like a, there's a push about yeah, sweating that. stuff. Um, but just type sweating, S-W-E-A-T-I-N-G, in the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com, and that'll bring up some cool stuff. I said search bar, which means it's time for listener mail. Josh, I'm going to call this one On Guard. I think that's a fine one. Uh, hey, guys. Uh, through college, I was really active in fencing, the sport generated by the ancient duels and honor code you guys mentioned. One interesting symptom from engaging in fencing, through, uh, though, was an ultra-critical eye on swordplay shown in films. Oh, I'll bet. Uh, movies like Star Wars, of course, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, and Highlander are examples of what is called, quote, show fencing, uh, the art of making the largest, flashiest attacks without ever threatening either actor. Um, show fencing is sometimes slanged as flinning after Errol Flynn. Or Mark Hamilling. <laughs> Hamilling. Um, he says that uh, Errol Flynn pioneered this technique. Yeah, he was a swashbuckler. He was. And still is, I think. Well, he, he's dead. He lives on, though, as a swashbuckler. Sure. Um, if you or your listeners want to see excellent representations of Hollywood showing true fencing, mm-hmm. I have two recommendations. First is uh, the black and white version of The Three Musketeers. I think it's from 1948. I, I can guess the other one. Riding in Cars with Boys. <laughs> How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days. <laughs> uh, the rapier duel on the staircase at the tail end of the film is still admired as some of the best fencing on film nice. to this day. Uh, the other film I'd recommend, and we got a few people tell us about this one, is Ridley Scott's uh, directorial premiere, 1977's *The Duelists*, mm. uh, based on the true story of two Napoleon area uh, area <laughs> Napoleon era French officers with a feud lasting for decades. Uh, the film accurately shows multiple types of duels and weapons, including foil, uh, cavalry saber, mm-hmm. pistols, just to name a few. Foil's the really thin, long, thin fencing sword. I think so. Sword, yeah. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that without looking it up. <laughs> well, we got some corrections coming, too, by the way. Yeah. Uh, the film is simply a must for those who want to see great fencing and accurate dueling. Um, and that is from Josh. Well, that's from me. Yeah. Thanks, me. Thanks, Josh. Um, while we're on this, um, that jogged my memory. The dueling um, reminded me of a movie that we... Well, not not just a movie. Wow, I'm a hick. Uh, a movie and a book um, that we left out of the Revenge podcast, The Count of Monte Cristo. Oh, sure. I don't know how we did that because that is yeah. like the quintessential revenge plot. Yeah, that's true. That and also I want to say in the beer episode, mm-hmm. I wrongly attributed the superhuman hoppiness mm-hmm. 
to one of the guys in the band, Superhuman mm. Happiness, when really it was a super fan named Kurt Schlachter. So right. sorry, Kurt, for that. Well, and since we're on that, you also called New Belgium, New Amsterdam. Oh, yeah, that was a big one. I'm really <laughs> sorry, guys. They've even sent us beer I know, before. I know. New Belgium, makers of fine fat tire, 1664. No, that's Cronenberg. <laughs> Let's just stop right here. Sorry, guys. And you do have to pay all kinds of money for covering songs, too, by the way. That was completely wrong. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that was a huge sidebar in the... Yeah. Like, they would spell it out, like, no, you don't have to spend money to... That's crazy. That was huh. wrong. Okay. Well, good. So I feel clean, like we just purged <laughs> ourselves of all the corrections. Yeah, and not only that, I didn't realize this, but clubs that have, like, cover bands that play there actually pay, like, yearly licensing fees just be- so they can have, like, the Kiss tribute band play. Gotcha. Oh, man. So I don't think the band plays. I think it's up to the club to take ownership of that. People will pay anything to have the Kiss tribute band <laughs> play, especially if it's Strutter. Yeah, that's all them. So, uh, let's see. If you're related to a member of the band Strutter or Kiss, or you have a correction for us, send it along. Just don't be a jerk when you do. Um, you can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. You can join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash stuff you should know and you can also reach us via email at stuffpodcast at discovery.com be sure to check out our new video podcast stuff from the future join house to work staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow brought to you by the reinvented 2012 camry it's ready Are you?